This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So we're just talking about Pierre Polyev's campaign. He just finished his campaign swing through British Columbia, getting a lot of attention, drawing big crowds. Liberal MLA, Mike DeYoung, mm-hmm. interestingly, endorsing him for the federal conservative leadership. You and I were just talking off air about whether maybe Jiang might be thinking about a jump into con- well, federal politics. I, I here. wonder. Yeah, I heard I heard your conversation with Grace Lore. I thought Grace made some really good points. But yeah, I mean, Jiang's been a veteran of the BC legislature, first elected in 94, I believe, at a pivotal by-election in the old Matsqui riding. Yeah. Where he beat Grace McCarthy, the yeah. Social Credit Party. That was um, the last gasp of the Social Credit yeah, Party. Yeah, there's still a theory that if Grace had won that, that the 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 Social Credit Party would have survived and eventually have replaced the BC Liberals as the so-called Free Enterprise Coalition. But it didn't. He won only. By, I think he won by 53. Very votes close. Yeah. Uh, but he's been in that place for a long time. The prospects of the Liberals uh, coming back to government are are no by no means clear and bright. They still have a challenge of forming government. I mean, take Mike DeYoung. He was a cabinet minister for years. He was a finance minister, for goodness sakes. Yeah. And he, I think he finds opposition to be a thankless task. So Ed Fast is the veteran MP in Abbotsford. You got to figure he's when is he going to retire? Abbotsford is a very strong conservative riding yeah. in BC, one of the strongest. So you figure if he went to the federal side, if Ed Fast would re, uh, retire, he'd be a lock to win that seat. And I think he's clearly betting on Pierre Poliev winning the, le- the leadership race of the Conservative Party, which is again, I think, uh, right now you'd have to say he has to be considered the front runner. Yeah, for sure. And it was interesting to see Poliev in BC this week, and also Justin Trudeau. And I'll tell you, Polyev is an effective communicator. And one of the things he's really got going is his social media videos. He did this incredible mm-hmm. video where he went up to a, a four, a yeah. $5 million teardown house in Vancouver. And he said something like, look, look at this baby. Yeah, take a four look at this million. house. Five million bucks. Why is this happening? This used to be affordable for a working class family, mm-hmm. you know, 40 years ago. Why is it five million? So, I mean, that kind of connects with people. Now, you know, when he starts getting into his stuff, well, it's the federal government's fault because they're printing too much money. He's going you down know, a rabbit, bit of a rabbit I, hole. You know, I'm still, tr- I'm still struggling to understand that part of it, but I'll tell you what. Trudeau, th- this guy is great at getting under Trudeau's skin, and Trudeau is, is responding to him. So here's Trudeau this week talking about housing. And if you don't, if you don't think this is directed at Poliev, you're, you're fooling yourself. Here's Trudeau. Listen to this. Anyone promising a simple, easy fix to the housing crisis is trying to push something politically that isn't true. This is a complex situation. It's going to require many, many different measures. Okay, very complex. So, but you know, well, you I know think, he's talking about Polyev there. Oh, yeah. And I think political parties of all stripes, you go back to the NDP in opposition, pretending there was a magic cure for housing. You know, when you're in opposition, it is easy to come up with simplistic solutions, but yeah. they can play well with people. Yeah. Uh, once you get into government, you find the fix is not so easy. And the NDP government in BC is struggling with this now. Uh, they tried to pretend housing was, was, uh, 
was solvable when they were in yeah. opposition. They're discovering in government, you're not. So, you know, Polyev and Trudeau are going to get into this issue. Polyev is right, though, about the slow pace of municipal housing approvals. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. Well, a guy who would agree with him would be David Eby. Right. BC's housing minister. I yeah. mean, there is fingers being pointed, rightly so, at certain municipalities who drag their heels when it comes yeah. to improving housing. We just this case in Oak Bay uh, a couple weeks ago. A home trying to get demolished to have a 14-story uh, replacement. 14 unit. 14 units. Yeah, condo. Um, nine years. Nine years. Nine years. And, and finally killed. And then they and then they cancel. They it. hardly. Uh, Oak Bay Council hardly approves any new housing. I mean, they are notoriously slow when it comes to building new housing. Okay, get set to call me. I get looking forward to more of your calls on Polly over your thoughts on it. I, my first guest this morning was Stephanie Smith, one of the major union leaders mm-hmm. in BC, head of the BCGEU union. We talked about the breakdown here in negotiations with the government on a new contract, and here's what you had to say to me. We will prepare for every eventuality, and so yes, right now we're going to be speaking with our members, we're going to be doing a lot of reach out, and we're going to be planning to take a strike vote. But again, it's entirely up to the employer at this point what happens next. Ooh, strike. Oh, there's definitely going to be a strike vote, I think. You are going to see the government, I would expect, their bargaining agent, to sweeten the offer before we get to a strike vote. Right now it's 1.75% in the first year. Then two percent, then two percent, and then and the union's asking for minimum five, minimum five, yeah. uh, or cost of living, which is which is whichever, whichever is higher, higher right? And, so if the inflation rate's higher, they'd want yeah. a higher raise. Um, and the union's pushing for a two-year contract. The government's offering three years, which is the traditional length of a contract. So they are headed uh, for potential confrontation here. But I would be interested to see what the government's um, counter offer is. It's also a thousand-dollar signing bonus. Yeah. I think you're going to see the government. Increase the wage component and sweeten the um, sweeten the uh, signing bonus, but I don't see them going to five, five, and five. Yeah, they're and, they're about two and a half billion dollars apart. And when you take a look at all the different unions at the bargaining table at the same time, because it's like teachers, nurses, hospital workers, they're they're all bargaining, and if they're all typically looking for a, a similar mm-hmm. raise. And you've already done the math on this. You're talking ten billion dollars well, over five, over three years. Five five and five is about nine point three billion, nine point five billion dollars yeah. over three years. If everyone gets five, and that two billion dollar reference I just mentioned wasn't just about the GU. That was for everyone. If if everyone got that same, is pushing for the same deal, five five uh, over two years. That's the gap right now, which is that's a significant gap. gap. I mean, this is not. I've, we've never seen this gap before. In contract talks, other than the BCTF, which is usually out on its own in terms of what they're looking for at a contract table, the other unions have usually been fairly close to what the government's offering. That's why I haven't seen any labor disruptions. But well, I, that, it's, you know, uh, the die is cast right now for labor confrontations. Well, I asked Stephanie Smith, where is the government supposed to get all this money? And she said, like I said, do, you have, do they have to jack up taxes to pay for these contracts? And she said, oh, no, they can find this money in the current budget. I'm not buying that. I mean, no. you've already pointed out that this would consume the entire contingency fund that's used for things like wildfires and floods. Yeah, I mean, you just look at wildfires, floods, other catastrophic events. Uh, I found out in the budget lockup, for example, repairing the Coquihalla and the other highways that are supposed to be reconstructed. The Coquihalla is a temporary fix right now. They all have to be rebuilt. It's not in the transportation ministry budget. I was told in the lockup that's coming out of contingencies as well. Wow. Oh. That's hundreds of millions of dollars. So there's about 10.2 billion in contingencies over three years. There's three billion dollars in forecast allowance. So there is some cushion. There's no question. Stephanie Smith is correct. There is a lot of money in the budget that is going to be earmarked to cover wage increases. I just don't think there's enough there to cover a five, five, and five. Okay, let's talk about Party Gate. 
in the United Kingdom. Boris. Remember? Bojo. Remember when we, we were talking about that? At, at one point, it looked like Boris Johnson might be kicked out as the conservative leader and prime minister in the UK over attending these parties mm-hmm. that were supposedly not supposed to be happening during COVID lockdown. So the latest on this is Boris Johnson, another conservative MP, have both been fined for attending. And no one can remember party. the last time a British prime minister was fined. Yeah. I mean, you have to go back to David Lloyd George or something. I mean, this is uh, way beyond any living memory. He's been fined for going to a party at 10 Downing Street during lockdown when these type of gatherings were supposedly banned. Now, have a listen to Boris Johnson. Now, this this is earlier in the British House of Commons, just basically denying that he'd been out of these parties. Have a listen. I understand and share the anger up and down the country at seeing number 10 staff seeming to make light of lockdown measures. And I can understand how infuriating it must be to think that the people who have been setting the rules have not been following the rules, Mr Speaker, because I was also furious to see that clip. He's furious, but furious at himself. Well, the hypocrisy rings loud, so it's going to be interesting. This story sort of died down a bit the last couple months. Other events have usurped it. Ukraine, of course, is yeah. dominating British politics, is dominating politics around the world. But it'll be interesting whether this party gate gets resurrected as a result of Bojo getting fired. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, welcome back to the show. Keith Baldry is my guest. The phone lines are open, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Daryl and Coquitlam. Hi, Daryl. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I just want uh, your opinions on... Pierre Polyev tracking very, very hard right, almost like a Ted Cruz or a Marco Rubio, and also offering very simplistic solutions, almost Trump-like, to complex issues like cryptocurrency Canada will opt out of inflation. The the former governor of the Bank of Canada, when asked by Evan Solomon, looked totally perplexed, like, what is this guy talking about? And he, almost in the same way, is starting to attack Canadian institutions. I'll just ask for your response, please. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, this is very much a Trump-like approach. Undermine public institutions, undermine government, not because it's a party, because it's government. So subscribe to world ec- um, conspiracy theories, denounce things like the World Economic Forum. It is attack to the hard right. But he's also he's trying to tap into what appears to be a significant public opinion out there of, of, and it's interesting where he's gone after inflation. Inflation is the new kid on the block. We haven't had inflation before in terms of a political issue for quite some time. In fact, it, it wasn't there the last provincial election. It wasn't there the last federal election. It's now there very much in sight. He's, he is, um, ascribing to very simplistic theories, but all's fair in politics when it comes to policy like that. You can you can pitch simplistic theories. You can be denounced for pitching simplistic theories, but the electorate might have a completely different view, and that's what he's gambling on. Well, the proof is in the number of people he's drawing to these events. Well, the proof will be in who votes for him. I mean, yeah. events are one thing. 
going to the vo- voting booth is quite another. But if you go back well, to the old... Mo- if you're motivated enough to go to a rally, you're probably motivated enough to buy a Conservative Party membership and well, vote that's, for the guy. Well, that's his first hurdle, is the, is the Conservative Party leadership. But a general election is a completely different animal yeah. because there's thousands of more people involved here. But his first goal is to win the leadership. Yeah. And I think right now... I don't. I wouldn't bet against him. I mean, he's getting these rallies on. You're right. I think everyone who went to those rallies probably bought a party membership. I don't think I've ever heard a major party leader or a guy who appears to be on the verge of being a leader questioning the the central bank of Canada and it, and when whether Bitcoin or cryptocurrency yeah, again, is the answer. New new issues. I don't think the general public really understands a lot of that stuff yeah. and don't want to understand. It. And that might strike people as a bit wacky. But there but could be young, a lot of young conservatives who are in, into dabbling into Bitcoin, and it's appealing. Again, know. there's the leadership race, then there's the election, and I yeah. wonder whether Poliev would continue to talk. About, I mean, it's almost part of a of a Bitcoin cult. If he's going to continue to talk about that in a general election campaign, I think yeah. Trudeau could make mincemeat out of it on that. Oh, okay. Dan in Surrey. Hi, Dan. What do you think? Yeah, um, I think Polavere has his flaws, but um, what I'm really tired of is anyone who leans at all to the right and is gives a darn about economics is some code language that they're always talking about. It's just it's ridiculous. Uh, Pierre Polavere is not an anti-Semite. I mean, you might not agree with everything he says. I sure don't. But we need somebody in there who cares about the financials of this country. And uh, it sure isn't going to be um, Trudeau or Singh. So okay. sometimes you just have to vote for the person that's going to harm you the least. Thank you for the call. Well, you know, Grace Lore, the NDP MLA I had on earlier, was talking about, well, he's, he's trafficking and racist language, that kind of thing, you know. I mean, you got a prime minister, Justin Trudeau, who, who had dressed up in blackface so often he can't even remember how many times he did mm. it. And that doesn't mean that, you know, he and his excuse. entire government is racist or the Liberal Party is racist. Well, I'm so, not, not going to defend Poliev. You, you can. But um, I don't think um, – I think you're going to see Poliev change his messaging as well as he gets closer to this thing. If he sees that suddenly, okay – the leadership thing is in sight. Now I've got to play to a, a much broader audience. So he's right now, he's very narrow in his, in his messaging. He has to, if you want to be prime minister and win an election, you have to have a very broad appeal, not a narrow appeal. And right now, winning leadership is a narrow well, appeal. Well, the, the, you know, it's been pointed out that maybe Poliev is capable of winning his party leadership, maybe not capable of winning an election. Well, Jean Charest might be the opposite. Maybe yeah. he could defeat Trudeau in a, in a general election, but he can't win the leadership. I'm beginning so. to think that Poliev could win depending on Again, his his issues that he picks. I don't think you win on Bitcoin. I don't think you win on intolerance or anti-vax. But you can win on, you know, inflation, inflation, or just um, inflation, as he calls it. As he calls it. And the affordability issue has gotten the BC NDP elected, and then it vexes them once they're in government. The affordability issue is not going away. It's getting worse. And politicians of all stripes are going to use that yep. to their their self interest. And Poliev is no different. Chris and Squamish. Hi, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, I'm just uh, getting a little upset here now that you guys seem to let this guy off the hook all the time by saying he didn't just say this, he didn't do that. You know what? I'm not letting uh, him off the hook. He, uh, yeah, you are, because you're you're saying that he wasn't for, you know, like he wasn't against the trucker convoy. But you I didn't know say what? That. Yeah, you did. You said, mm-hmm. well, not him, uh, Mike. Mike was saying that he was. Oh, the other well, guy. No, <laughs> what, I, what, I point, what I pointed out was that he had said that he 
he supported the cause of the trucker convoy, but he did not support illegal blockades. I mean, those are just his words. Okay. I know, but, but if you let him off the hook on this kind of stuff now, he gains popularity. Personally, I hope he does get elected by the Conservatives. Because then, you know what, even though I don't like Trudeau, these Conservative guys, they're going to go down big time. I don't, I don't think it's letting him off the hook by simply pointing out his own words uh, on what he said on well, the issue. Well, what he said at the very beginning of the, blo- of the blockade is different than what he's saying now. Well, we've played that all does. of it. We've played all of his comments well, here on the show. Well, it's not just the, the, the trucker convoy, again, as I said many times, it's not just one issue. There's a whole bunch of things wrapped up in that convoy, like the cause of the convoy. There's white supremacists oh, leading yeah, the you convoy. Can't, you can't deny that there no, were those so, elements in and it. And that's why you can't let Poliev off the hook by saying he's, a, he's in four peaceful protests and against blockades. He was for the cause of the convoy, and that includes some really disreputable elements.